Hello everybody, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you may be listening. Welcome to another Too Extreme for Mainstream podcast. Today is a very special podcast because it is an interview with Scott Philip Jurgens. You heard right, the director of 29 Needles. In case you didn't know, I bought... 29 needles from Unner Films and it took about a month to come but it was definitely worth the wait I will tell you. Um, I got a poster with mine and the poster is absolutely brilliant. Uh, so yeah so without further ado if you would rather listen to the interview this one's for you. If you would rather watch the interview then head over to YouTube and search it in that way. I will if you want to know the link for the uh, YouTube video I will send you the link via message so you can either message me on Kirsty underscore nightmare at Instagram or you can message me Kirsty nightmare on Facebook or even on the Anchor app if you have Anchor and you can message me that way and I'll send you the link. Uh, if not without further ado let's get on with the interview. It may be starting now Says starting, so uh, we are recording. Well, hey, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing even better now that I'm actually sitting talking to you face to face to do these questions. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so for those that might come across this video that don't know who you are, don't know what we're talking about or anything like this, I will say that we are going to be talking about 29 needles. Um, so for those that might not see this video, that I will show them this video, um, do you want to just talk about you and how you become the director that you are today, first of all? Uh, so I um, am an artist, and I've long since um, loved the uh, use of video to create art. Um, and from an early age, I experimented with making little movies um, as a teenager and just worked into that. And as, um, as I got older, I focused more on physical um, painting, and then... Um, and then I wanted to get back into making um, stories uh, through uh, the through film, and uh, so I took um, some a, a class here and there. But basically, I taught myself um, uh, and um, decided. I finally, decided I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it because I want to, and I'm going to um, just make it my way. And uh, I thought of what would be the best um, uh, way to, um, with my budget, create a story that um, wouldn't feel so um, restricted by budget. And I felt like the, um, I felt like the, uh, the, the easy way that a lot of people use to hide that is to do these um, found footage type movies um, to, to hide a budget. Um, and, and it's a great way to do that. And I felt like that had been done a lot and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to create that type of story. Um, so I just figured I can use some just um, tricks that I uh, came up with that made it feel a little bit more... Um, put together and a little bit more cohesive. Um, so I use those to bring the budget out um, a little bit more. Um, 
and and uh, really developed a story that uh, was more centralized on a singular singular character. Um, that way, I didn't have to concentrate so much on um, uh, just trying to wrangle in so much. Um, and uh, then, I, as I developed the story, um, this movie came about, and um, and mm -hmm. just I just pressed forward and pressed forward. So and. Here we have 29 years. Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, this is your first ever movie, isn't it? It is the first feature film that I've ever made, yeah. So the one that I've really put forward um, this type of effort into, I've done some little things just playing around, but more for like student projects or just on fun, for fun, so yeah, yeah. Well, I must say, for this being your first major project that's in the open and mainstream, I've got to say you did it really, really well. Like, I was very, very surprised, but really happily surprised. Because normally when directors do their first movie, some of them, they're not really that good. But yours went up a notch, you know? Like, I was oh. really pleasantly surprised with this film. I absolutely loved it. I'm Thank sure you. For this. Um, so what made you decide that this is the sort of, movie that you wanted to create because it's very different than I've ever seen before so was there like something that maybe you'd seen um there I'm getting a little bit of a um delay I think that you said why did I um want to make this type of film as yeah. my first film or at all yeah so what made you want to decide to do this kind of particular film um I thought it's my first one and I have nobody telling me what to do and why not do whatever I want? Why not do whatever I want? Yeah, just like, and I felt like this, this way I can just really go, there was no limits, no bounds to what I wanted to do. And I thought this was a really interesting thing. I had um, really been, fascinated on a um, what makes this type of person tick in in regards to serial killers and been around a lot of um, people in uh, from living in San Francisco and the, the different um, friends and people that I interacted with there was a lot of people that I um, knew that were really into some um, extreme sexual fetishes so, and I just thought, this is really interesting. I wonder what drives that. Um, and then I thought um, it would be interesting to combine that in a way that would um, tell a unique story. Um, and, and, I, and I thought, why not? That, that's, that could be the first thing that I do. And that could be great. This is, this is really interesting. It's not really, I didn't want to, I didn't want to regurgitate a, an idea that other people are putting out there and putting out there and and when I thought about this I mean the subject matters really can be outrageous and um, I was like I wanted to show it all because that was the character and that was the subject matter and it felt it felt like you were honoring that more by not not um, cropping a certain way or pulling yeah. any kind of punches so to speak so I just thought this would be a really good way to make a first impact um, by creating this, using this type of story and doing it this way. So, 
Okay, so I, I, I really have to, I can't stress this enough when I say this, um, what I really loved about your film is two things. One of them is you are showing this type of person in a very real, like, you know, uncensored, raw kind of way, because not a lot of people probably know this, but there is a lot of people out there that have this guy's particular kind of fetish. Mm -hmm. And not only that, you're introducing people to that sort of lifestyle. And not only that, um, you are shown potentially somebody's journey in this lifestyle. And that's really what I love about it. And like I said, I've never seen anything like this before. And obviously I'm in the lifestyle and I've seen many things like this. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted someone to bring a film forward that not only showed you the more, I would say, extreme type of, you know, fetishes, but to introduce them to a new way of life for some people. And that's what I absolutely loved about it. So apart from what you just said, um, I know you touched on this on an interview on the DVD because I did watch this yesterday, um, how you gathered the actors for this film and you touched on it in a way. Uh, but for this particular video, and because I'm going to be putting this on a podcast as well for the audio, um, could you touch on a little bit how you found these people for this film in particular? So Certainly. Yeah, I, um, I used uh, just some classified ads in some papers that were local um, and in the personals area, um, but as an advertisement, because I worked at the, the local paper, which is non-existent at this point. Um, and there's a, um, a website called Craigslist, which used to do um, hookups um, as part of the thing. There's like mail, mail, meet mail, mail meets female. I think that that part of the website has been um, eliminated, but there was a lot of stuff on there. And I even um, explored some um, uh, just kind of like uh, adult sites. And I got kicked off of a lot of them um, that were local because I was advertising to, for, to get um, talent for a movie. And they're like, this is this is for hookups. This isn't for, you know, but I, I got some people that way. So um, and my idea around all that and, and I actually um, put posts out on what was my space at the time because this movie was filmed a while back um, and uh, and so I, I pulled together a variety of people and knowing that I had to find a lot of people that actually kind of were interested in some of this lifestyle and I also wanted to honor the people who were legitimately in um, uh, the uh, sadomasochism and uh, bondage and domination. And I wanted to honor them in a way that would say that some of this isn't really that at all. And uh, that that is that, but this is different than that, even though it, it treads that line at times. Um, and I didn't want to insult, um, but I also wanted to kind of say, this is this person exploring this in a way. So I felt like bringing some of that in from people that are actually liking some of this aspect um, that were willing to do that for free because it was a great thing for them to, to be involved in that and to show yeah. themselves. Um, 
uh, it made it really easy and, and certainly easy for the budget. Um, so I, I pulled together and then and then you had to interview them and then I had to um, see if any of them could act and then I had to see um, who I could use for what. And then and then when the time came around to filming, who was going to show up? So because all these people aren't actors and um, I, I used a couple of people that had acted before, but certainly they weren't actors. So yeah, it was a long process. Yeah. Well, I must say the uh, the main guy, Brooke Berry, um, who plays Francis, and the guy that plays Hans, um, they did a fantastic job. Like the he Brooke Berry, like he was sort of made for that role. I say it. Um, so how did you find him first of all? Okay. Um, so Brooke, uh, and I'm going to refer to try to refer to Brooke um, as she because she transitioned before she passed recently. Oh. Um, Yes, she transitioned, and that was very interesting because part of that um, awakening happened through making the movie um, and Brooke really rediscovering what was um, truly inside, um, and uh, made decided to make that transition. But I found Brooke because we had mutual friends on MySpace at the time, and um, that was just like for social media site that um, uh, was is uh, a lot of musicians used it too, and I think it's now a music site, but I found a lot of the musical artists that I used on the movie that way too. Um, so, uh, but Brooke, we had mutual friends and saw that I was looking for talent and I interviewed Brooke and after um, we met up, I said, I, I thought that Brooke was going to possibly be at first um, uh, an extra or somebody with a, a line or two. And then um, as we talked on the phone, um, I realized uh, I really liked him for another character. And then um, and I, th I was thinking it was going to be Hans at first. And then after we met in person and kind of really it was more of like an, an informal interview process. Um, as I said, no, this is this is not this is not going to be Hans. This is Francis. This is definitely Francis. Um, so then I had to find a Hans, but that was um, not so bad. Uh, but Brooke fit perfectly. And then after some um, auditioning, it was um, it was just incredible that Brooke had never acted before, um, never done anything before, and um, it was. Certainly, the movie um, has such an impact because of Brooke's performance, I think. Yeah, yeah I, like I said, uh, she, Brooke, yeah. she, she did really, really well in this, I must admit. Yeah. Um, and Hans as well. Um, mm -hmm. I remember I watched the film the first time, and I watched it again yesterday, and I noticed something what I didn't notice the first time. I noticed that Hans was watching Brooke basically from the very beginning. Yes. And I, was, I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. So I'm really glad I watched it again. But this is definitely going to be a movie in the top of my list like for a very long time. Um, so when you were filming the film, um, whereabouts did you do the locations for the film? Was it in like one place or was it in different places? So yeah, it was all over. Uh, I uh, 
I worked at a cafe at the time, and I used that space for one of the scenes. Um, but I also knew people that worked at some of the bars, uh, and they talked to the owners, and the owners were like, yeah, sure. So I, um, uh, yeah, exactly. So um, the, the, the nightclub scenes, um, that was in one um, bar, which um, just got shut down. It was called Grand Central. It was a gay dance club. Um, and then I shot at the Baltimore Eagle, too, um, which is a leather fetish uh, bar club that's here in Baltimore. And I shot at uh, some other small um, like uh, music venues. Um, and then in people's houses. And then um, I, I, there was a period of time where at the Baltimore Eagle, the owner had this warehouse in the back um, where the makeup crew was using that to build some of the bigger effects and he was letting us use that space so we shot some stuff in there too in like corners um and i i pieced together um from all these different locations sometimes um if characters were interacting or looking at each other um that they might not even have been they weren't necessarily even in the same um location or um shooting at the same time so like a person would be looking this way and that was from a whole different location and then you look back and that was from a different time period different location just to kind of piece pieces together to make the spaces look different so, so. was that the same with the actual building that um francis had went to with horns when he yeah. introduced him to that that was yes. the same yeah, that was the same type of situation. The, mostly uh, the film hap filming for that happened outside, except for when you come in the, the door, when, he would, when they would come in the door, um, Hans and Francis, um, that main door, that was, we filmed right inside there and in the little walkway up the garage. Um, and then once they kept going, that was in a different location. Um, and then other locations within there, so yeah. Seems yeah. really complicated when you're uh, doing these sort of films when you're everywhere all at the same time. <laughs> well, yeah, and it was just a matter of um, using the spaces the way that um, I envisioned them and finding what um, I thought that the spaces looked like um, in my head. So, okay. scouting, location scouting, yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. But when you're actually watching it, and it's it's fascinating to watch the film all back to back. And I bet you are really proud of what you created, though. From I was, thing. I was, yeah, it definitely proud. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I um, I I did think that after it was all said and done, that um, I thought I, I may have made an unwatchable movie. Like, I wonder if anybody's ever going to get a chance to see this ever. And I was like, is there even an audience for this? And then here we go. Yeah, yeah. And yes. then unearthed, unearthed. Well, first of all, um. The, it started getting some attention in some of the film circuit, and it had its world premiere at um, Nightmares Film Festival in um, in uh, Ohio, uh, and um, and then uh, some other places. Um, you picked it up and um, had it in their festival too, which was wonderful. But uh, quickly, quickly from the Nightmares Film Festival, I got um, attached with um, talking to Stephen Byro at Unearthed Films, and he saw it, and he's like. Uh, let's talk. <laughs> so yeah. that was great. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. Wow. This is not what I expected was going to happen from this. You know, so no, it's really definitely one yeah. for Stephen Byrow's distribution, that's for sure. Like, he, yeah. he's amazing. His films yeah. are amazing. But anyway, so I've got one question about uh, the film itself. Um, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give too much away because I want people to watch this film. Um, but the two people outside, what was that all about? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of symbolism that I use throughout the movie, um, and uh, those um, characters, there was actually a third too, but they weren't always interacting together, and that one came more at night, um, And uh, but those two characters um, with the masks, right? Yeah. They're in the movie, they're in the trailer, um, or one of them was, I think, um, and uh, they represent aspects uh that are awakening in uh francis okay are kind of also leading those aspects to come forward so okay right i'm understanding the film a bit more now just with that bit there um now again i don't want to say too much uh so what's this about the chain because I know I watched a lot of reviews and a lot of people were like, it's all centered around the chain. And I didn't know if that was a sort of question that maybe you'd come across and maybe you'd answer it. So I thought I would ask because I don't think you have answered that. I'm not no, sure. the, the, the chain, I thought um, it was initially intended to be a, um, it, it's a, a metaphor as well of the, the the restriction that he had upon himself um, and when the chain was finally released and broken um, that's kind of when the ultimate um, gratification really occurs um, but the idea was that and I wasn't able to really pull it off the way I wanted to um, but that it was an endless looping chain going through the psyche of this individual so and then when it finally severed um, it was no longer he was no longer restricted from these um, the constraints that he had upon what his interests were. So, okay. Yeah. And so, uh, sorry, what? And he may have like found the what he was looking for. So, yeah. So is that relating to also the end of the film as well, or yeah. were you using that to open to interpretation? I know it's open to definitely an interpretation, but it does connect to that. Yes, because in my idea, the end of the movie is really beginning. So, yeah, yeah. So and I wanted to explore more of that. And who knows, maybe I will. But uh, um, it feels like fairly impossible to do without Brooke being around anymore. So. Yeah, he's definitely a one to bring back. Because I was thinking, you know, I watched the film and the ending came and I was like, that's a cliffhanger. Is there another film in the making, maybe, do you know? Because yeah. I, I would love another film with him in it. I yeah. really that yeah. brilliant. We had, we had a lot of conversation um, uh, talking about what the next movie was going to be. And uh, it was going to be a whole different script. And I was changing it around for um, Brooke's transition and... Um, and then there was, you know, certainly the story could have continued from 29 Needles somewhere in some reality, uh, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I suppose yeah. I can't wait to see what happens. Now, if you were to make another kind of film, 
Would it be like, obviously, I think we might know that there might be a second one, but if you were to do, say, another movie, would you make a similar kind of film or would you go in a different direction completely, do you think? Well, I I have a script done for the next one that I wanted to make, but then um, the world pandemic kind of really halted the brakes on that concept a little bit because I the way when I when I want to film this, I want to not have so much of those restrictions um, because it is again um, a, a film that does have some sexual elements, but it's not going to be in the same vein that this one is. <clears throat> and it's um, but there there is there will be some graphic nature and there will be working through um, some uh, subjects that uh, I find very interesting, which has to do with like um, supernatural elements and um, like demons and things like that. So um, yeah, working working towards that. But I so we'll see how quickly that can um, come to be uh, with. But but I'm I'm working on other stuff in the meantime as a possible um, in between. So yeah yeah. Okay, so um, the actual artwork for the film, who did this artwork, can I ask? Yes, um, her name is uh, Trisha Zimmick, and she, um, I, I got to meet her, and uh, I have an art gallery, and she came to my gallery because her daughter um, really liked my artwork and bought a few pieces, and... Um, so Trisha um, came down from Pennsylvania, which is the state just north of us um, in Maryland. And uh, she came down to visit um, her daughter in the gallery. And we were talking and she was saying, oh yeah, my mom, Trisha Zemick, um, she's an artist and she um, has done artwork for um, a lot of the Hardy Boys books and Nancy Drew's books. Um, yeah. And and then a lot of artwork for some more of like exploitive B kind of cinema films, um, the the like Toxic Avenger, um, a lot of the trauma films she's done, Surf Nazis from Hell, and so she did that artwork. And I talked to her. I said, so I'm looking at creating artwork for this, and um, I want to go in a different direction from what you have traditionally created because I've seen her um her talent um because she also doesn't just do poster art she does um actual um paintings to oil paintings um so i said i want to go more direction of some of these and go darker um so we worked it out and um and uh we came up with that cover and uh it worked out that that scene officially is alluded to in the movie but it doesn't actually happen that way it's kind of a, a, a mixture of different things, um, but it turned out really well. And um, I, uh, it doesn't it doesn't always happen. But I was like, I want that painting, so I own it now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's one thing I noticed when I seen the actual DVD cover. I, I was like, oh, that looks really cool. But when I actually seen it on the poster, I took a really good look at it because when I love artwork, I like to 
really study it. And I noticed like what you've just said there, there's a bit of everything in this from in the film, which is yeah. what I absolutely love. And I'm definitely going to put this up somewhere. Um, so does every DVD come with this poster? That people buy? Um, you know, I, I think, did you buy yours through Unearthed? Yeah. And I, so I would say, I believe yes, through Unearthed. I don't know if you end up getting it through. There's a couple other um, uh, Diabolic DVD um, has some, and um, and then Grindhouse Video has some. So I don't know if you buy them through those venues if you get the poster or not. Right. But, okay yeah. then. Yeah. But I'm 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 so glad I've got this. I couldn't stop talking about it. You know, to my friends and stuff. That's into these films. I was like, you need to buy this film. It's so good. But well, thank you. Yeah. No problem. Um, so yeah, so I noticed on your Instagram, um, I don't know if you wanted us to touch on this or not, but I thought I would ask anyway. Um, so if, if you don't want to talk about this, it's fine. Um, I went onto your Instagram and I noticed that you do artwork and stuff. Mm -hmm. and I, I thought it was really different what, what you create. So me as like an artist myself, um, not your kind of artwork, but me mostly portraits and stuff. Mm -hmm. So what is your inspiration behind the artwork that you do? So is it the same for films or? Um, I would say it's definitely different um, for what I paint and the, what I want to create um, on screen. Um, there's definitely a different a drive there. Uh, I, in regards to film, um, now I didn't make 29 Needles to be, to fit necessarily in a genre, but um, I definitely feel like it can it can sit in a horror genre and it be fine, you know. There and I love horror films, uh, so I um, I think that I'll always be making horror films. Um, but what I paint isn't always the same. Um, I don't always focus on that. I do like monsters and I like um, uh, painting them, but they're not always horrific. They're um, and then some of them are ab some of some of what I do is abstract and and right now I'm working on um, uh, an oracle deck uh, artwork for an oracle deck um, for a clairvoyant that I am in connection with uh, so there's there's that too so there's a little bit of different styles happening in what I work with yeah yeah so yeah. is there anything else that you like to do in your own time apart from artwork and stuff like that it's like do you like to play music or anything like that. Oh, I wish I could play music. Um, I, I'm a huge music um, uh, fan and I love exploring all kinds of music, but I never, I've, I've tried, I've tried to make music and I, um, I uh, was in a small project once, but I was like, no, this is just not working out. Uh, but what I do, um, and I'm a father of two uh, adopted boys that um, that's a pretty full-time job. Um, and uh yeah, um, but I think that um, the artwork and um, movie making, and I and I run a gallery, so I do that. But for fun, I like being out in nature. I like kind of just kind of being out there and just exploring the world. Yeah. All right, that's really interesting. I, I never knew you had two adopted boys. I never knew that. Yeah. Um, I think I read somewhere that you had an adopted boy. I can't remember, but I didn't want to bring that up, obviously, because that's like your personal life. Yeah. Um, 
So just going back to like the movies and stuff like that, like what are some of your favorite go-to movies that you enjoy watching? Oh, that's hard because I have so many genres. Um, now when I paint, um, and this is where I paint, I'm at my desk right now, because um, I do watercolors a lot. Um, I, I use my laptop and I put movies on um, in the background. And generally, um, I have to, I can't watch a movie while I'm painting that um, I haven't seen before. So if uh, I will repeat a lot of movies because I can hear them and there's good dialogue and they just kind of, I know what's going to happen. So there's some um, movies that uh, I really love. Um, some of them I, I would love to be able to watch, but I can't because they're foreign. Um, and I can't, um, I, I have to watch the movie and see the subtitles in order to, uh, in order to uh, understand what's going on. But um, I love the movie Crash by David Cronenberg. Um, that is, uh, I love uh, so many things about it. Um, and, uh, certainly his work is in, inspired me as a, a director. Um, and I, I love Ingmar Bergman films, but I don't really, I'm not able to watch them as much as I want because of the subtitles. He's made some ones in English too, but I love his films and, uh, his work is inspiring to me as well. Uh, I I, I would say that stuff that kind of just um, repeats for me is stuff with really good dialogue that I can just hear in the background and just really enjoy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of the director that you uh, mentioned just a second ago. There, I've never heard of him before. Ingmar Bergman. Yeah, I've never heard of him before. Yeah, he's a Swedish director, um, and. Uh, he he did um, like Seventh Seal and Cries and Whispers and um, Wild Strawberries and uh, yeah they're they're wonderful just um, moving films and there's a lot of depth and sadness to them and uh, that's really what inspires me in creating plot and character is the way is is bringing that forward in some of the characters and and how he does it is really um wonderful so yeah. i definitely recommend checking his work out yeah. yeah i definitely will yeah like i said i've heard him so i definitely will after this call um so i've got one last question for you and then i'll let you get to doing whatever you're doing mm -hmm. um so for any of those people out there that may come across this video and that's interested in becoming a director of some kind what advice would you give somebody that wants to become a director in the field, in your particular field or any field? Okay, so I, I would say that um, know what a director does, what the role is of a director, and, um, and decide what path you want to go down. If you want to go down the independent path, and if you, or if you want to go and um, try to tackle some of the huge projects. Usually there's a transition. You can start the independent and maybe you'll get picked up because there's a lot of directors that work that way. You, but I would say make what you want. Mm -hmm. Do it. Just do it. You know, yeah. get yourself a team together and just do it. A lot of what I did was just guerrilla filmmaking. We just pulled up, <laughs> brought a camera out, 
I mean, there was a scene on the um, on the highway when uh, Brooke was on the motorcycle, and uh, we had a camera um, hanging out. I mean, a huge camera hanging out the side of a car, um, and we would pull up next to him on the motorcycle, and we're filming that. Hopefully, people would, and then we'd pull around. I mean. It wasn't the smartest thing, but we were being very safe. And you just do it. You do what you want. I mean, you do what you love. And if that's what you love, you'll make it work. Yeah, especially because you don't know what's around the corner, do you, really? If you, you want to go for it. Yeah, just do it. Yeah. There you yeah. go. So listen to Scott with that one. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> OK, so that is all the questions I have for you. Um, Thank you so, so much for doing this video call with me today. I really appreciate it. I feel privileged. So is there anything before you go that you might want to add that you've never spoken about before or anything like that? Um, well, no, I would just say that for people that see this that are curious about the movie, um, read the reviews. And if it still seems like something you're interested in, then give it a try. You never know if you're going to like it until you try it. So. Right, exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> you don't know until you try. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for this video call again. And I hope to speak to you very, very shortly. And I hope you have a good rest of the day. Thank you. You too. No problem. I'll see you later. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.